Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and the Knicks are playoff game winners for the first time in eight years. Been a lot of first time in eight years achievements this year, Gavin, but none feels as sweet as this 101 to 92 enormous comeback victory over the Atlanta Hawks at home. What kind of stuff are we going to talk about from this game? Well, it, it didn't look so good for a while there, Alex. Uh, you and I were, were just talking about how at halftime we, we, we were ready to, to maybe retire from the pod and, and move to a, to a tropical island somewhere and, and forget about that whole thing called the NBA. But the Knicks, it, it honestly, it felt like a movie. Um, all, all the pieces came together from Taj Gibson propping them up in both the first half and the second, doing everything possible to keep them alive. Derrick Rose playing the most minutes he's played in three seasons, the Knicks seemingly needing every single one of them. And then Reggie Bullock and Julius Randle simultaneously coming back to life in the fourth quarter to guide the Knicks to the promised land. All that, so, so much more coming up right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join Gavin and I this week, today, as a matter of fact, at 5.30 p.m. to get in on the action and get into a Locked on Knicks episode. We call them Fan Friday. We'll be releasing them on Friday. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man, and of course, Knicks podcaster. And we are breaking down the Knicks playoff victory. Came maybe a day late, or a game late, I should say. Uh, you know, we would have preferred to have a 2-0 lead right now, but 1-1 is good. A 101-92 win is great, particularly given the circumstances. Uh, the Knicks came out just, I mean, they, they actually came out in the very early goings of this game. They came out kind of looking like they had some fire and they were feeding off the crowd a little bit. And then all of a sudden everything ground to a halt. Um, I won't name what player did it, but it kind of had to do with one player all of a sudden just deciding to take a couple shots that uh, were ill-advised. And then things just, the wheels started coming off and, you know, I, I'll say it's, it's not all Alfred Payton's fault. Uh, Cause then, you know, the rest of the half was terrible. Uh, the Knicks just looked completely uninspired in the first half. Uh, Julius Randle really had a tough time. Uh, he shot 0-6 in the first half, and I think only had like one point. It was it was not pretty for him. Uh, things were just in general. Uh, the Knicks were getting embarrassed on their home floor. Uh, it was not a good time. They were down 57 to 44 at halftime, and uh, you know I, I think that a lot of fans, myself included, were uh, getting ready to be like, I mean, I certainly was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to see a game five at the garden now, which I have tickets for. I, I'm not a hundred percent that they're not going to get swept right now. And then they turned it around in the second half. I feel like a fool now, Gavin. I feel like a total fool. The Knicks turn it around. Just 
timely shot making by pretty much everybody. Derek Rose, 26 points, four rebounds, four assists. He actually drew the start in the second half, which was, I don't know. I'll say it was unexpected. It's been the right move for weeks now, but it was still unexpected to see him come out there along with Taj Gibson, who you noted in the intro had made so much impact, so much more than his box score numbers, Uh, 6.7 rebounds, three steals, one block, but a team high plus 23. And he earned every bit of that with his energy on the floor. Uh, Julius Randle finally comes alive in the third quarter, ends the game in total with 15 points, 12 boards, four assists. Uh, But just in that third quarter alone had 11 points, three rebounds, one assist, four or five shooting, two or three from three. Big time renaissance for him. Reggie Bullock down the stretch makes clutch three after clutch three. uh, Gets 15 points for the Knicks. Leads them in threes with four of them. And Alec Burks even hits some shots down the stretch. 11 points for him. Uh, RJ Barrett, you know, for his to his credit, had some moments as well, though he only played 26 minutes. Didn't close the game. Had 13 points for himself. Gavin, just so much to talk about in this game. Where where do you want? Oh, oh my God. I didn't even bring up Obi Toppin, who like brought the garden to its knees with a, a, a crazy, uh, a crazy dunk in transition after he saved a possession uh, on defense, got a huge block, then leaked out in transition, hit a huge dunk on a great pass from Alec Burks uh, and just had the garden going crazy. His mom was crying in the crowd because the whole place was chanting OB, OB, OB. Just insane. Insanity. Uh, just, I don't even know how to like, put to words the shift in emotions that I had from the first half to the second half. It was just like, it was my lowest low all the way up to my highest high. I, I don't know if my heart is fully recovered from it yet, but Gavin, where's your head at after that, that roller coaster of a game? Yeah, it felt, it felt more like a really, really special concert or a movie, like seeing uh, the non-Marvel people will hate this, but like Avengers Infinity War or Endgame. It was Infinity. like Endgame. It was like the, the cat sequence. Just <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, with uh, with Obi like strapping on his half shield and then Randall stepping through the portal and saying, I'm back. It, it felt, or, or rather Rose, Rose would be the cap in this scenario, putting on his half shield and then every, everyone starts coming in to join him at the very end. It, it was very reminiscent of that. I was just going through... Um, while we're talking, I, took, I took about 200 pages of notes during this game, and I, I was just kind of going through back through them as a live diary of my thoughts in real time. And I, I was just saying some really mean things about Julius Randle and Reggie Bullock. Like I wrote at one point in the third quarter, like Randle just threw the ball out of bounds, and I just wrote turning back into a pumpkin because that's what it felt like. It felt like, a re- I mean, this game and last game felt like a reversion to last year. Um, I wrote on Twitter, it was like someone stole his Like Mike shoes. I saw our guy Urim posted it. It's similar to Bradley Cooper and Limitless when he when he ran out of the pills. Um, I wrote about Reggie Bullock. Uh, let me see, what did I what did I say here? Bullock, just as much of a disaster as Randall. That that's 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 what it felt like for for both those guys. I mean, obviously Randall was the more glaring one, but Bullock, um, probably like arguably the most important figure in the Knicks. Uh, I would say Rose, then probably Bullock. The most important figure in the Knicks really turning it on during that win streak coming on during the second half of the year. And it felt like we were back to having the block of last year where he was just a non-factor unless he was wide, wide open. 
And then in the fourth quarter, it's like something clicked. And and again, this is where I say it was like a movie. It was like Julius got his magic powers back. And I said, all right, go. You have, you have eight minutes to fix this now that you have your powers back. And Julius like zooms in on his face, like has like kind of a like glint of gold in his eye. And he's like, all right, that's more than enough time. And then he just, just goes to work, helps carry the Knicks to a win down the stretch. Man, I, I, I like you. I, I know you threw it to me to say where to start. I, I guess the place to start is going all the way back to the early parts of this game and looking at, well, how did the Knicks survive the whole time with Julius being asleep, with Bullock being asleep, with RJ, to your point, having his moments, but nothing really consistent. And it was it was Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson, the old Bulls. I, I don't know about you. I, I got borderline um, emotional when uh, Rebecca Harlow was, was talking about how Taj had dreamed growing up of, of being in a Knicks playoff game and that, and he idolized the Knicks and like his favorite time of the year every year was the playoffs. And that's, that's all he ever wanted to the point that he talked to Tibbs about it in Chicago, knowing that Tibbs also grew up a Knicks fan and Tibbs would say, Hey, maybe, maybe one day we'll be there together. And then for them, 10 years later for Taj Gibson, a, a dude based on talent who has no business still being in the NBA at 35 and Tibbs on his third job, who, I mean, based on the way things ended in Minnesota, there was no guarantee he would get a third shot as a head coach in the NBA. For them to achieve this and then for Gibson to, I mean, essentially get the game-winning dunk, it's just and, and to play such a significant role in a playoff game where you could you could credibly make the argument through three quarters, I mean, maybe even through four, that he was the Knicks' most important player with all the little things he did in terms of, I mean, I mean, defensively coming up with three steals and a block. It felt like watching he had seven steals, multiple, like just huge, huge offensive rebounds, finished with four of them, had that dunk, and then D-Rose, man, and the three-level scoring, getting to the rim throughout the first half, starting to hit those wild floaters throughout the second, mixing in a couple of big threes. It was just an incredible performance from these two guys who, again, at their age, with with just the mileage that that Tibbs himself is responsible for putting on both of them, and then to ask them at again a combined basically seventy years old to play sixty nine minutes in this game, what an effort! And the Knicks, I mean, all, all you can say is they they wouldn't have won if either of them was five percent worse than they were. Yeah, and I'd say that we still have a bunch to talk about on this podcast, but Gavin. We're also going to have a lot to talk about on our locker room later today. Am I right? You're you're not wrong, Alex. And the good news is it, it won't just be us in our echo chamber. It'll it'll be you guys to 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 bring some accountability. So we wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download and once you're in, you can talk with me. Alex, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting a room tomorrow. Or wait, what am I saying? Tomorrow. We'll be hosting a room tonight at 5.30. So yes, you, you, I'm talking to you, can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join in conversations about the league. You will have a chance to chat with us and be featured on Locked on Knicks. We've been featuring everyone on Locked on Knicks, so be sure to join us this week. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices and Android, I just found out. 
Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. You can follow me at Gavin Shaw, Alex at Alex Wolf to be notified when our room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. Again, we'll be live today at 5.30. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on this big win. We'll see you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. And with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Alex, I had my rant. It's your turn. Where do you want to go with this? Oh, man. I mean, I think you did a lot of justice to to Rose and Taj. Um, I just want to say, like, Rose, I, I, I guess it's both of them, really. I mean, they, they just both did so much to keep the Knicks in this. Like, it's been so obvious through these first two games. Julius is feeling the pressure. It's, it, you know, it's very clear. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's not made for this, blah, blah. Like, shut up. I, I mean, I get it. You could be discouraged by his performances and stuff, but this is the man's first playoffs. He just won most improved player. Like, he literally got, speaking of, shout out to the the Knicks PR team for setting up a really cute moment where uh, Julius's son, Kaiden, gave him the award during practice yesterday. That was adorable. You can check it out on their Twitter. Uh, also, he got officially handed the award prior to the game and had uh, Leon and Worldwide West and Scott Perry up there with them. And also Kaiden and poor little Kaiden was very overwhelmed by the moment of being in front of like 20,000 screaming Knicks fans. Looked like he was about to like break out in tears. Uh, but shout out to Julius for winning the most improved player, which we didn't do like a full episode on. It seemed like a fore- foregone conclusion anyway, but also shout out to Kaiden Randall, who's such a little cutie. Uh, but anyway, so um, I forget where I was even just going with that. Anyway, uh, Julius is definitely feeling the moment, uh, you know, of of being in the playoffs. Um, he just got the most improved player award. He's, you know, he's been the engine for this team all year. I think he feels a lot of responsibility to make sure that they're successful during this playoff run and and probably win this series. You know, I shouldn't say probably anymore, but he wants them to win the series and he wants to be a part of it, obviously. And I think it's kind of had him in his own head to start the series. Hopefully he figured it out in that second half and kind of got settled in. It certainly looked that way. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he's, he's figuring it out, but to get back to my initial point with him struggling with RJ being kind of up and down so far, which is also sort of predictable. Like he's 20 years old. He's literally the youngest player on the team being asked to do quite a bit in the playoffs. Um, you know, so it's, it, stands to reason that he would have his growing pains as well. And then you just have, you have Rose and Taj coming in and just providing this amazing effort and poise and ability to succeed in these big games because they've been there before. I mean, they literally made a trip to the Eastern conference finals together under Tibbs uh, 10 years ago. I don't know if it was exactly 10 seasons ago. Was that? Yeah, I think, I think it was, wasn't it? 2010, 11 season. That was, I think that was the year that they made the Eastern Conference Finals as the one seed. Um, but, you know, it's it's been a hell of a journey for them. And they they both, I mean, they've been battle-tested with, with Tibbs in now three different stops. And they know how to play for him in the playoffs. They know how to produce in the playoffs. I mean, it's it can't be, you know, overstated just how important they've both been. Can't be overstated just how much of a heist that Rose trade was before the trade deadline to get him here for just the price of a middling second rounder and Dennis Smith Jr. basically uh, for a guy that's now carrying the Knicks as the four seed in the playoffs. I mean, he's, he's been invaluable Taj as a, a guy who wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of the season gets picked up only once the Knicks decide to give up on Omari Spellman three weeks into the season or whatever. 
and has been such a rock for them as well with Mitch down for the amount of time that he's been. I mean, these two guys are just indispensable and it's, it's so cool to see them playing as well as they are. And I wouldn't be surprised if both of them potentially end up starting. I I think that Tibbs might've been giving a preview of the game three starting lineup there at the start of the second half, finally kind of seeing the light of like, okay, Noel can't really hold his own against Clint Capella. Rose can't hold it, or sorry, uh, Peyton can't hold his own against uh, Trey Young. You know, we need to get the the two veteran presences in there to, to kind of set the tone here early and and play at least passable defense and give all the, the smarts and everything on offense that they do. And, and in Rose's case, the, I mean, almost MVP level scoring ability that he's been turning on lately um, is just invaluable. Um, but Gavin, I, I just took my rant for those two now. I also kind of touched on Julius a little bit. Where do you want to head as far as our next destination on this this Knicks journey <laughs> of going through this game where seemingly everybody had, you know, at least one moment to shine here? Uh let's let's circle back to Randall because I wanna I, I wanna I wanna get the full buildup of just how bad it was and and where we ended up with him because at the beginning of this game, I mean, and and again, going back to game one, it just looked like the moment was too big for him. And to your point, I don't know if there's shame in that. The moment would be way too big for me. I, I was putting myself in his shoes and I, I was thinking, God, like 20,000 people are relying on me to be this, to, I mean, to, to dominate this game. I would freak out. I would start overthinking every single one of my shots. I would... Like, I wouldn't want to be that aggressive, especially seeing that, I mean, the Hawks, what, what they were doing every single play. Dallas, um, who was just on the pod, made this point on Twitter. They were basically playing the old Tibbs defense where you just flood the strong side with extra defenders. So that means every time Randall had the ball, Clint Capello was shading like six feet over his direction. And the big the big takeaway after, I mean, talking it over with some people on Twitter, um, my thinking was, all right, this is where it really kills you not to have Mitchell Robinson in the game because if you have Mitch in there, he's just hovering around the basket as a lob threat. And and, and he's he's such a dominant lob threat that if you're Capella, you can never really separate from his body. And if you do, you're just giving up lob after lob after lob. Or what you're relying on is is someone is coming over and helping off of an opposite wing three-point shooter. And then if you're Randall, you're doing what you've shown you're capable of all year and just making that cross-court skip pass and RJ or Bullock or someone is just banging wide open threes. But when you have Taj in the game, the one downside of Taj for all the great stuff he brought in this performance is he's not at all a lob threat. And Nerlens is clearly hampered by the injury and, and Capella just isn't taking him as seriously. And, and maybe it's a game planning thing where the Knicks have to leverage that if Capella is going to be so far off, but it feels like Nerlens physically just isn't at a point where he's up for jumping and, and trying to jam the ball down five or six times in a game. At least that's my read on it. So something to watch going forward on that front. But circling back to Randall, it makes sense that the moment is too big for him. It would be too big for a lot of people. And historically, you even go to the greatest players in the league, the the MJs, the Kobe's, they all had their their stinkers in, in their very first playoff run. To some extent, it's it's a rite of passage. And and, and the people like, I mean, what we're seeing Trey Young doing, I, I know no one's going to want to hear me compliment Trey Young. It, it's, it's amazing when someone comes in and transitions immediately to playoff basketball. It's amazing when Luka did it last year. But anyways, Randall really, really sucked to start this game. He had a step back uh, air ball about four minutes in, then another air ball from three, trying to draw a foul 
Um, I thought Clyde summed it up perfectly when he said he was thinking rather than reacting. It, it, it just, it seemed as if the Hawks bringing that second defender over just sort of stalled, like basically put a wrench in the gears of his brain. And, and you could see, you could see the gears like trying to turn, trying to get that wrench out. And, and he just, he couldn't do it quick enough. And I think part of the issue is, is that Randall has taken on so much responsibility this entire season. When he's not able to do that anymore, the Knicks offense was short-circuiting to some extent because they didn't really have a logical next step. And this, I, I don't think I did a good job verbalizing it, but I'm realizing like deep in the recesses of my brain, this has been a concern of mine all year, that the Knicks offense just rarely works quickly. Like you, 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 you At least with the starters in, and maybe this, this is about Elf too, to, to circle back to, to bashing him, which we always do somehow. Um, the Knicks never really had those tic-tac-toe passing sequences with the starter, right? Where you would get a defensive scramble and it would be like one pass to the next pass to the next pass to an open three. Or at least they didn't have a lot of those sequences that didn't start with Julius Randle driving and then drawing a double team. The issue with what the Hawks are doing is he's being doubled before he has a chance to build any momentum. And because the Hawks were dictating the terms of engagement, Randall didn't, or, or rather they, they were able to recover when Randall did make a pass to the opposite side of the floor. And that led to a horrible start for the Knicks. They were six of 23 in the first quarter, a game after starting four for 17 in the first quarter. And Randall didn't get his first points until four thirteen left in the second, um, took this ugly, ugly step back three from the corner to end the first half. And it, it just looked like, I mean, he looked like someone who was stepping on the basketball court for maybe the like fourth or fifth time in his life. It, it just looked, really really bad and it was highlighted by how how well Trey Young was doing there was a sequence where Randall missed a shot off a curl Trey came down drained a 30 footer Randall comes back and misses a layup and and it was it was kind of looking like all right one of these guys is a real star the other one was just sort of masquerading as one at the beginning of the season and then Randall comes all the way back in the second half bombs a three but then it's still it's still looking kind of iffy even after he made those two threes, but it felt like once he started going downhill and getting to the rim, and I give credit to Tibbs, I mean, one for not playing Elf, but just putting more spacing around Julius in general and, and doing some stuff off ball that made the Hawks, it, it, it had them, it, it made them have a little bit more difficulty just loading up on Julius completely. But the bigger thing was that he, he just decided to say, screw it. I, I'm, I'm just going to the basket no matter what. And that made all the difference in the world, him being decisive, him being aggressive, him leveraging his physical gifts, when the Hawks, honestly, didn't really put a defender worthy of him. They, they were putting bogey on him. They were they were trying Gallinari on him. And Randall finally said, fuck that. I'm, I'm getting right to the basket. And he, he did that time and time again. At, at the very end of the game, he found a lot of success doing something that so many were calling for pregame. I was calling for throughout the game, and that was using him as a rolled man going towards the rim with momentum and able to catch and score or pass. He had one where he drew a foul on Bogdanovich, and then he had another one where he, he rolled right by his guy. I think it was Bogey guarding him. Rose hit him on the bounce pass, a uh, little Euro step around Capella to make the layup. And... and a suggestion for the Knicks going forward, and I'll wrap up on this because I know I'm going way, way over on this rant, Alex. But if the Knicks really want to have some dominant stretches next game in Atlanta and they want to come out with a win, 
Every time Clint Capello is out of the game and can't punish you by rolling to the basket, I want either Julius or Obi in there as the small ball five, and you just got to relentlessly run pick and roll. And you're going to kill this Atlanta team with that because they just don't have anyone else who can play that kind of coverage outside of Capella. And even Capella's having his issues with it. And the bigger thing is when Capella's out of the game, it allows the Knicks to take their center out of the game. And all of a sudden you have room around the basket where we saw in that final play, Randall had to euro around Capella. If your center's out of the game, there's not even there's not even Capella there to stop Randall at the rim because every defender is outside the lane. So that would be my diagnosis, my suggestion for the Knicks going forward. But for Julius, it was nice to see him get it going. It's still hard for me to say that I have confidence he'll be back to his old self in game three because I think there, there are some lingering issues here. And part of it is from Atlanta. Part of it, I think, is just in Julius's head. But I think the best thing he can do is build his game inside out build it around getting to the rim and finishing and then work his way back out to the three-point line once he has that confidence. I think the best thing that Julius Randle could do going into the next game is eat a whole bunch of built Bars. Uh, fight me on that if you want, but I think it's the truth. That's because built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It will let him recover and get uh, extra strong for that next game. Only a two-day layoff this time. Probably the best thing for Julius because he says that he doesn't like long layoffs very much. I don't know what Julius's favorite flavor would be, uh, but Bill Bar does have nine delicious flavors to choose from at all times. I Something tells me maybe he's a, a peanut butter brownie type of guy or maybe salt to caramel. I'm not sure, but there's something for everyone. There's nine delicious flavors available at all times for Bill Bar. Of course, there's coconut almond, which is my favorite. And, you know, if you haven't tried all of them, you can always get a mixed box when you get that, you'll get two of each of all the nine flavors. Most Built Bar flavors have 17 grams of ultra-restorative protein and only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. That is Julius Randall approved, I'll tell you that much, because he said that he really reworked his diet uh, so that he could get so trim and good for this season. And I, I think a Built Bar would fit in on that. So if you want to get some for yourself, definitely get one of those mix boxes. Go to BuiltBar.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And once you get that, to get strong like Julius, you can go to BetOnline.ag to place some bets on the Knicks to win this series. Because, uh, you know, maybe they'll. this might be your last chance to get decent odds on it. If they come out and they have the same fire at the first game in Atlanta might be a different story. They might have, uh, you know, you might not be able to get too great of odds on them anymore. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. Obviously, basketball playoffs are going crazy. Same with the NHL, all that good stuff. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch or tip off or puck drop, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKED ON. Again, that's betonline.ag. Promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, enough of these ads. Uh, let's talk about more Knicks basketball. So, uh, Gavin, I want to talk about Obi Toppin. I, I very much enjoyed his stretch. Um, I think the most impressive play to me, I already mentioned it, but I want to highlight it again, was there was a sequence. Uh, I don't re- quite remember if it was late third quarter or early fourth, whatever it was. It, uh, Obi, first off, managed to snatch 12 minutes in this game. 12 minutes, so Julius only had to play 36. I mean, I guess you could say only had to, or, you know, in, in the first half, we were kind of spared the Julius minutes with some really encouraging Obi minutes. But in the second half, I mean, Obi kept Julius off the floor after Julius had just been as good as he was in that third quarter because he managed to, you know, have some really good flashes again uh, in the, the fourth quarter there. And the biggest one was Nerlens Noel got put back in the game. Um, he was guarding, I forget who it even was, one-on-one on the perimeter. It, it might have been, I don't think it was Trey. It was, I, I think it was Lou Williams, now that I think about it. Uh, and and Nerland's really struggled in this game. And so he got kind of stranded on an island out at the, the top of the three-point line on, like I said, I'm like 99% of Oh, it, it, was, it was Kevin Herter. I just was it Herter? It okay. Herter. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it was, because Obi blocked crap out of him. That's the whole point. Uh, Obi just played great help defense. Came over, got the block, and you know turned what should have been an easy two points for the Hawks into a transition opportunity for the Knicks. And because he is just a big ball of energy, got immediately sprinting down the floor right after the block. Alec Burks gets out in transition, finds him for an awesome alley-oop, and Obi sets the garden ablaze. Uh, probably people on 8th Avenue walking by might have thought that there was an earthquake happening. There was not, in fact, it was just like 17,000 fans in the garden going crazy. Uh, easily my favorite, I'm going to say OB sequence of the whole season. I mean, he's had some pretty decent ones, but that was, I mean, defensive potential, which we never would have thought was a thing coming into the season. He showed that off. I mean, I think Obi has showed that he can be a good enough uh, shot blocker and guy to contest at the rim sometimes and has just all in all been very active on defense. And then getting out in transition, just being nonstop energy the whole time, getting that alley-oop dunk. It was just fantastic moment. Uh, MSG, I, I noted already, showed on the uh, the broadcast that Obi's mom was in the crowd rocking his uh, his Dayton number one jersey. And, you know, she was like shedding some tears over that, hearing the whole building chanting Obi, Obi, Obi after he did that. Uh, really sweet moment in general and just... A really, a really great moment for Obi, who I, I thought put in some really great minutes in both halves. Um, first half as well. I mean, he was part of the group that sort of kept the Knicks in it for a little bit, um, along with we talked about how Rose and Taj were doing that. But Obi was part of that as well. I mean, it was just it was really a, a crap sandwich for Julius and, and Bullock in the first half. And um, they really needed those bench contributions, as has been the case recently, to keep things going. And uh, Obi just really did it in both halves. I'm I feel so good about him as a as like having a floor of a NBA rotation player at this point. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, Gavin. I think we're sort of in agreement on that at this point. But this game, I think, I mean, he's really saved the best for the postseason. I think so far. I mean, he's had two, I think, really impactful games uh, these first two games in the postseason, and I think it bodes really well for his future that he's coming up so big 
And he's just, this is just sort of a culmination of what has been a really, a really tough season for him. I think adjusting to the NBA, adjusting to like the speed of the game, the strength of the game, uh, you know, getting his, his jump shot good enough to be a consistent three point threat. It's kind of all coming together for him. And at just the right time right now, when the Knicks really need some quality minutes with, with Julius, you know, struggling these two games, Obi has stepped up in a huge way. And uh, at, at risk of, weirdly sounding like I'm, you know, like his, uh, his dad or something. I'm very proud of him. I just, I don't know. I, I feel a great sense of pride in how Obi's grown this year uh, and how he's, you know, really embracing this moment and playing as well as he has been. Yeah, I need to, um, I, I, I put it out on Twitter. Um, I need to give Obi the full uh, Julius Randall Memorial apology tour treatment. So I apologize to, to Obi's family, I apologize to all Dayton Flyers fans out there, everyone associated with the Dayton community. Anthony Grant, um, his father, Dunker's Delight, his mom, who I agree with you, what, what a moment with her crying. I mean, just just to, just imagine that, watch, watch it, like hearing your kids serenaded at the garden, I can't even imagine. That was as cool. a as a native New Yorker too. I know. I, mean, I oh, well, forget about it. But the the that was again. That's like when I say this game was like a movie. Between that and hearing at halftime that it was always Taj's dream to to get to play a playoff game at the Garden as a Nick, and then for him to dunk that ball, like it was. I mean, just just amazing. The 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 narratives coming together on this team are incredible. But I, I won't let that interrupt my apology tour. I apologize to Jacob Toppin, who's who I think is at Kentucky. And uh, ev- everyone who who went after me when when I critiqued him and ripped him throughout the year and said, yeah, I just I don't really see it with him. I, I still I still don't know if it was the right pick. Uh, maybe maybe that mitigates a lot of the apology. But but man, I'm, I'm, I will say I'm happy he's a Nick. He's per- personality wise and game wise. It's it just it's so fun to have him. And to your point, he's turned himself into, as a rookie, which, I mean, even though he's an older rookie, this is all you can ask, to be a legitimately useful player in a playoff series is pretty, I'm not going to say unprecedented, but it's certainly rare for a rookie. It's it's not all that common. And he, as a two-way guy, that that's the biggest shock because we were talking, I remember us talking to PD preseason. I was saying, like, what, what would happen if he was – if you just threw him into a playoffs and like the whole, the consensus, I mean, not just PD, like this was like every single draft person and NBA talent evaluator we talked to was, yeah, he'd, he'd get ripped to shreds if, if a defense could go after him and target him. And instead to your point, he's flying over and help and blocking Kevin Herter. He's creating second possessions by fighting for offensive rebounds. He's hitting threes. He's getting transition dunks. He's diving to the rim and drawing fouls. I mean, I, I just don't think, I think the Knicks would have gotten killed these last two games without his energy and IQ's energy because as much as Taj and Rose were were sort of the sturdy support beams that the Knicks needed to keep their ship afloat, IQ and Obi were the wind. They needed that push in the second quarter. They needed that push in the fourth quarter. They were the little the little energizer bunnies just keeping that electricity flowing throughout the garden. And it wouldn't, they, they just wouldn't have won this game. I don't think they would have been in last game without the duo. Uh, Alex, uh, we, we've, we've touched on a lot of guys. Is there, is there anyone else that we either haven't gone over yet or someone you want to dive a little deeper on? Uh, I'm trying to think here. I mean, I, I guess Re- Reggie, we can, we can shout out and say what, what a turnaround to, 
Yeah, I mean... And defensively, too. Yeah, I mean, he and Randall both in that second half just had such a huge turnaround. But I would say Reggie, maybe even more so. I mean, he just went into full-on assassin mode down the stretch, Um, you know, hitting huge threes when the Knicks needed them. Uh, Just, I, I guess it wasn't even just the fourth quarter, like six points in the third quarter, two of two from three, and then fourth quarter, what did he have in that one? Six points, two of four from three. But they were just huge shots, you know. So he had 12 of his 15 points in the second half. The Knicks needed all of them. Um, you know, they just came at such such big moments, crucial junctures where, uh, you know, they just needed that that push to get over the hump. He had a, a, Mike Breen, a very early Mike Breen bang in the third quarter when he took the shot that uh, I believe it put the Knicks up. It either did that or tied the game. I, I don't know. It's, it's all a blur to me. But hit a very crucial shot in the in the third quarter as the Knicks were storming back. Got a Mike Breen bang. I, I loved listening. As a, this is an aside, but I loved listening to Clyde and Breen in this one. Clyde really let his fandom on his sleeve in this game, where he was just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He's just so often was just like yelling at the players and stuff, being like, "Why are they doing this? I just want them to win." <laughs> and it's uh, it's pretty apparent that Clyde's. Uh, uh, objectiveness goes out the window the second that the playoffs start. Uh, but at any rate, back to block. It's just timely shot making and the defense, to your point. I mean, he was playing some defense on Trey Young um, and was really bottling him up and bothering him, which was just a departure from really the first, like, six quarters of this series. You know, the Knicks just didn't really bother him that much. And there was even, I mean, there was, there was one moment that, it maybe even was sort of a, a game changer where he, I, I don't agree with the call, but regardless it happened, he did what ultimately was called a flagrant foul on Deandre Hunter in transition. And finally, I mean, I thought it was just a hard foul. I mean, he was, they were running in unison and then he went to kind of try to like reach for the ball slash just like foul Hunter, and then it sort of turned into almost like a shoulder check a little bit. But I don't think it was really his intention to like shoulder check DeAndre Hunter, but he did it and they got called for a flagrant foul. It almost seemed like it was going to kind of shoot the Knicks in the foot because it was sort of a critical juncture at that point. Um, that was when they were attempting to come back and that sort of that plus a, um, a, a foul by RJ on a three point attempt the next time down the floor uh, sort of stalled the Knicks comeback effort in the third quarter at that particular moment. But then from that point on, it, it did seem like there was some deterrence that came from that, that flagrant foul, I guess. I don't know for sure if it happened or not, but uh, you know, if, if they got in the, the Hawks heads of being like, Oh, we will flagrantly foul you. We will shoulder check you if you try to come in on us. Um, but it, it worked. Um, you know, that it, it seemed like the Hawks were a little gun shy then about going inside and you saw them kind of thinking twice about getting to the, to the rim. And even there were some instances like where even Capella, who's normally a guy that out muscles the Knicks like crazy uh, sort of looked a little, a little shaky on the inside there with getting putbacks and stuff. So I don't know if that all, you know, sort of uh, rolled downhill from the, the Reggie Bullock uh, flagrant foul there, but I'll take it. You know, if the Knicks need to send a message and that was the one, then sure. That's cool. Um, but yeah, Reggie Bullock, man, just awesome second half. Um, 
again, I'm, I'm really happy that he managed to turn it around too, because it was, it was honestly just kind of getting depressing seeing him not make any threes for the, the prior uh, two games there. Cause I, I don't think he made any threes in game one and he was Oh, for three or Oh, for no, not even. He was like Oh, for one or something in the, the first half. It just, he was like totally taken out of the game and they were sort of like hiding Trey on him too. Uh, which just doesn't seem right. I mean, Bullock is a legitimate offensive threat, but they were essentially just using him in spot up in the first half and letting Trey just kind of camp on him. Whereas in the second half, they brought him off movement a little more, which freed him up and also bothered Trey more on the defensive end. So it was it was just good all around from Bullock. And uh, I, I think hopefully they've sort of outlined how to use him going forward, which is to use him moving more to try to create shots more so than just his usual spot up role, because it seems clear that, you know, that the Hawks consider him to be like one of the weak links that they can put Trey on because they could just kind of like keep him stashed in the corner there. But yeah, it's my long winded explanation of, of Reggie. Uh, do you have anyone else that you want to touch on Gavin before we start kind of uh, winding things down here? No, nothing specific, more of a, of a general note, because we've had a lot of optimism. I, I would say the pessimist in me, the one thing I kept seeing in this game and game one, that the Knicks have been dodging a lot of bullets in terms of the open threes that the Hawks have missed. And some of the guys on the Hawks who just haven't played really well, like in this game, Danilo Gallinari for the second straight game, I, I think over the first two, he went something like two for 12 on threes where there was no one near him. He, he hasn't had a great postseason career, but we, we both know that he's a better shooter than that. Lou Williams, I'm actually pretty optimistic, will continue to be bad. He, he's just been, I mean, his his drop-off from the regular season to the postseason has been consistent throughout his whole career, and it's it's no different this year. Bogdanovich was two for 13 on three. He'll, he'll shoot better than that, though I give Reggie Bullock and the variety of guys the Knicks put on him at different points a lot of credit. I mean, Der- Derek Rose for sure too, for really chasing him hard around screens and making every attempt he had in the second half really, really difficult. But we know at this point, I mean, especially based on the first half of this game where he had 14, he's someone who can get hot and do better. John Collins w- was a guy who people gave latent all-star consideration to, played 15 minutes, had five fouls, no points, the first scoreless game of his entire career. He's going to have to be better. Clint Capella, the Knicks have done just a spectacular job shutting him down. And it again, it allowed Trey to get to his floater quite a bit. But I think the Knicks balanced it out a little bit better in that they gave up the floaters to Trey, but they didn't give up the fouls down the stretch where, where Trey finished the game with only four free throws. And that, that was enough for the Knicks to really separate. But I think the Hawks are to come with more and play better. If I want to flip it, there's still a lot of meat on the proverbial bone for the Knicks to really improve where Randall, obviously you'd love to see a complete game from him. Um, and that's something that you'd expect would happen at some point in this series. Uh, you hope Nerlens can get a little bit healthier because right now Taj is clearly their better option at center. And that worries me a little bit because I think they're overly reliant on him. And the other thing I think with Tibbs is they, they didn't need it tonight, but at some point I, I just think they're going to need Frank Nilakina in this series because they're not going to get anything from Alfred Payton. 
And I think I finally, in my mind, it's all crystallized with why Tibbs feels like he needs to start Peyton. It's because he, in his mind, it's literally the only option. Derek Rose has to come off the bench because if not, he's going to play 39 minutes. And you can do that in a game like this where for all intents and purposes, it's as close to do or die as you're going to get without it actually being do or die. But you can't play Derek, even for a full series, you can't play Derek Rose 39 minutes. I, I just don't think he's up for it at this point in his career physically. And then Emmanuel quickly, he feels is an essential part of the bench unit. And I would argue when Burks is healthy and you can slot in RJ with that bench unit and get a little bit more creative with your lineups, that's not really true. But he feels that way. And he feels like that's an incontrovertible fact about this team, that IQ has to be on the bench, and if you play him with the starters, something really, really bad, somehow worse than everything we've seen with Elf, is going to happen. And then he thinks of Frank, and he either he doesn't think of him as a point guard at this point in his career. He thinks of him as a wing and, and not someone who can come in and play point guard. But in my mind, it's it's very, very clear to me. I know I'm biased on the issue. I know I love Frank and have loved him forever, but it would make so much sense to give those opening salvos of each half to him Ensure that you can keep Derrick Rose right around 34 or 35 minutes. Or if not, just if you feel like Frank is unacceptable, then you got to start Emmanuel quickly and you're going to have to live with some of these games. Like tonight, he's not going to shoot that well. But the one thing I'll say with quickly, and this is my very last note, and then I'll throw it to you, Alex, and we can wrap this all up, is quickly did a really good job in this game holding his own defensively. Maybe, maybe I have blinders on with him and I missed some plays where he got toasted, but he had this beautiful steal where he read the passing lane, then finished with this nice double pump layup over Kevin Herter. He had another really good one where he just sprinted out on Trey Young. It was in a help situation, and Trey was going to have a wide open three. But this is something we, we saw the Lakers do with Steph Curry, where you mix in just some random blind charges at a guy. And, and if you do it too many times, they're going to figure it out, and they're going to beat you and get wide open shots. But you mix it in once in a while – you can sort of surprise a great offensive player. In this case, Trey threw it right away. Um, IQ had another one where he he sort of ran right at uh, John Collins and didn't really give him any space and forced a shot clock violation. He, he he also stopped Tony Snell on a play where Snell just kind of w- was baited by the size advantage to go one-on-one and he missed a wide-open floater. If IQ is going to play smart and, and make correct rotations, and, and going back to game one, that was something I noticed where the Hawks tried to put him in situations where he had to make complicated rotations and he held up really, really well, then he's good enough to start. And and you can start him, and you can be just fine. But, I, I mean, it, it doesn't really bear repeating, but I'll, I'll say it one last time. You Obviously, you, you can't afford to put Alfred Payton out there. So that's an adjustment Tibbs is going to have to make. And, and, just, and, and there has to be some awareness that Atlanta can and will play better, because if there isn't, then the Knicks are going to lose this series. If they think what happened tonight was good enough, because it's not going to be. All right. Quick one word answer. Confident. Like what's your percentage confidence that Tibbs is going to change starting lineup for the next game? 35%. Wow. Really? I've been been burned too many times. I, 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 I'm hurt. (laughs) I think I'm going 65%. All right. Um, which is probably too bold, but, given the fact that he made that change in the second half. I mean, he's been very stubbornly still trotting Elf out there to start each half too, you know, even the second half. So the fact that he went away from him to the start of this half, I think Derek Rose is going to start the next game. I do agree. I think that Frank Nilakina is going to be the one to soak up those 
uh, you know, five to eight minutes that Elf is going to vacate. Uh, you know, maybe you get a lineup out there that's like RJ Frank and and Burks or RJ Frank and Quickly or Frank Quickly and Burks, whatever, you know, some sort of lineup like that to kind of give Rose a breather and have some creation out there and the spot up shooting with Frank and hopefully some nice point of attack defense with Frank on Trey. Hopefully you save him, you know, for those minutes when you want Rose out and want someone good on Trey to to bottle him up. But I guess we'll see. So much more to talk about. You know what? Let's save some topics. We got our locker room again. Just a reminder, locker room today, 530 p.m. Eastern time. That is on the locker room app, which is available on iOS and now in beta on Android. I may try my luck and try it on Android. I'm tired of using my wife's old iPhone from work. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to get onto my own phone and use that for these locker room chats. So maybe I'll be on Android tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, but at any rate, join us 5.30 p.m. again. Uh, you'll get to be unlocked on Knicks on Friday. We've had such a great time with all these discussions, and uh, it, it'll be a ton of fun. So check that out. Uh, but for now, hell yeah, Knicks won. It is 1-1 in this series. It's an all-new series now. Got to take one in Atlanta. They get their first chance on Friday uh, to snatch home court back. So we'll be here with you guys to talk about that game. We'll be here with you for the locker room later today. But until next time, peace out. Talk to you all soon. Let's go Knicks.